0: You're just being willfully obtuse if you're really trying to convince us or yourself that he wasn't talking about megan or referencing megan or attempting to make the public think that he was talking about megan at the very least even the first bar like people are saying oh it's a double entendre which is really pissing me off because it's like am i crazy like i thought double entendre meant there's two meanings to the reference right so you saying oh it's a double entendre what aren't you just confirming that it means two things so yes it could mean a woman is lying about getting our shots that is clear but are we really gonna sit here and say that the other meaning wasn't meant to be that he was implying that Megan lied about getting shot when that is a popular narrative around the toxic rappers really are we gonna do that oh my god My best work. Hi everybody, welcome to Underrated. My name is Hannah OJ, your host as you very well know. Well maybe you don't know actually because maybe you just heard my show before, but yeah going forward I am going to be pushing my content on YouTube first and foremost because i feel like for my concept of a talk show to really be clear i need to focus on the visual aspect of things so that's what i'm going to be focusing on at the moment but i am still going to have audio episodes on spotify for now it's going to be a little bit of a transition but it'll probably come a time where it'll just be available on youtube make sure you subscribe to my channel by clicking the subscribe button below um but without further ado let's start the show So, as always, we're going to start with hot topics. Okay, so firstly, I wanted to talk about Chucky interviewing Moran Morali on his podcast. So, for you guys in the UK, you'll know Chucky's a pretty well-known personality here. He has his own podcast called The Half-Cast Podcast. I'm not sure why it's called that, but every time I say it, I'm like, I just don't... why, Why that name? Anywho, he also does a lot of interviews on different other platforms as well. His interviews for JD, The Duffel Bag, are pretty are the ones that will come to mind the most but he's, you know, done a few interviews with a lot of different artists and like well-known influencers and entertainers and that kind of thing so a few days ago he had Murad Muraleigh on and I don't want to say disgraced YouTuber because that sounds so dramatic but essentially Murad Raleigh is mainly known for a lot of Love Island content he also, you know, covers like pop culture or used to cover pop culture, like hot topics, that type of thing but it was mainly his videos about Love Island and, you know, his interviews for Love Island as well pretty recently this year were really, really successful because he was pretty much the only one, like he was the go-to that people were going to to get interviews outside of the villa that weren't like, you know, the crisp, clean-cut, capital, extra and this morning type of interviews that where they don't really tell us anything, you know? So. It kind of seemed like this year was like the making of like his big break, kind of. And then recently he got exposed for engaging in a lot of race play, a lot of foot fetish kind of stuff. I don't judge, do you? But yeah, he, he said some pretty fucked up shit about black people. He, in particular, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but he, it was basically like, I think that he was kissing his feet, this black guy, and he was basically saying like, oh, like, look at this monkey kissing my feet, trigger warning. Um, you know, like, he knows that all they will ever be is niggas, da, da, da. da. So, yeah, so that was the part for me that was like, oh, wow, okay, so this is who you are. But anyway he was mainly targeting black women as a demographic i don't even know if it was a target so much that was mainly who the content was for it was definitely aimed at you know black people as a whole and obviously things like pop culture hot topics like reality stuff it's generally going to be women that are interested in it so it was you know a lot of black women that would be a big part of his viewership and his you know like that were his fans basically and i really don't want to do that thing that's like oh i always need there was something funny about him because more time when people say that it's like did you really say that before or are you just saying that now that you know it's now a trend to hate this guy but there was always something for me that hit disingenuous i feel like people are more perceptive to realness and fakeness than a lot of people think And I think that because I watch a lot of TV, I watch a lot of content. So I think by now, and sometimes you could be wrong because our perspective is our perspective at the end of the day. But there was just always something that felt like disingenuous about it for me. And I never thought that he was doing stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. I I could never have predicted that. But there was always something that made it a bit, "Mm," like, I'm kind of good on you. And ultimately, I didn't find him that entertaining either. So I wasn't really like a fan of his content. I checked out his videos once in a while when I was trying to spark ideas for what I wanted to do for my platform and stuff like that but like as like a consumer or like someone that genuinely like engages and fucks with his I, I, it wasn't really for me and there was just always something about like I'm always very suspicious when people are so quick to like cape for us as black women I just that aren't black women it's just always like sometimes even black men as well like I have to really for a while really really watch you and be like is this really for real because if it is you you don't often question it maybe off at first but it shouldn't really take you too long to realise like when someone's intentions are genuine, but when you kind of see them and you can't always help but side-eye them, it's like, mm. sorry, I'm just jumping straight into my perspective, but let's. I just want to give you guys a little background if you didn't know who Murad was. So Chucky interviewed him on his platform very recently and he got a lot of backlash for it. I wasn't surprised because it's quite random for Chucky. If you watch his platform, it's usually more informal and his guests will usually be his friends or like his co-hosts, or artist because he's he used to be a dj so i think he still does dj occasionally so music is more of his background so he'll usually talk to artists if it's going to be an interview it'd usually be with an artist and he'll have like other podcasters on from time to time but that's really it it's not really the platform for like a serious conversation like that like like sometimes obviously things like racism will come up because obviously you know him being a black man he's going to talk about those topics but it's really like more of a informal thing so i think it was a combination of disappointment and surprise from people so i wasn't surprised at the backlash but chucky had a lot to say so he made a twitter thread on the day the interview came out amidst all the backlash he said i wasn't going to do this but fuck it if you know me you know i'm not really doing all the arguing stuff on socials i know what i'm doing and why i'm doing it i'm a specialist at leaving people to argue amongst themselves and make their own conclusions but let's go mirad pod If Murad was a white man speaking to a white audience and those videos came out, he wouldn't have been on the pod. Murad's audience is, was, predominantly black and Asian women, some I respect. His audience and who he spoke to is a key factor in why this pod happened. Kink work and race play is a real thing, it really exists. So the questions are, can you take part in race play and not be racist? If so, the next question is, do you believe him? I questioned him to see what his truth was, purely because he is, was, speaking to a black and Asian audience. Personally, considering the context above, I think it's fair to question him about it. Some of you might have been more happy to see me bully him, but I think that style of conversation is dead. Either way, it wasn't about me or you believing him. But as we are here though, this is a real question. Could someone pay you enough money to say racially problematic things to them in the bedroom when nobody is looking? 1 mil 5 mil 50 no i would never i hear you say sure i kind of don't really understand the point of him posing that question i feel like it's a little bit deflective. like yeah sure some people say yes some people say no but i don't really feel like it has anything to do with the interview but anyway but if someone could in regards to your judgment on this you can't have a problem with the act then your problem would then have to be with how much a person is willing to do it for this changes the conversation and your outrage again i feel like that's just pointless deflection because you actually can't predict what people would say or how they'd feel about it because like i said some people say yes some people say no either way it's not really of any consequence i don't expect everyone to have the range for this type of conversation though even if you disagree with intellect it's just because there are nuances whether you believe him is the question and it's a fair one but because of who he spoke to his audience and the things he talked about adding the existence of kink sex work race play it was fair to question him on it and i think i did a good job of it to be fair lol You'd be surprised at what people are willing to do when nobody's looking, especially for money. Sidebar. I saw a few people say no Jewish person gave Kanye a platform. We are so forgiving. Have a nibble on this. Lex Friedman, Jewish, talks with Kanye. I feel like a lot of what he said was irrelevant, to be honest with you, in terms of people being upset about the interview. At the end of the day, people have a right to feel some type of way if they feel like, you know, this is somebody who... Isn't as popular as he was or has lost out on opportunities because he has said racially derogatory things to black people. So, to have a black content creator who targets towards a black audience invite him on to give context to it, I can understand people feeling some type of way about it. However, on the other hand, as a content creator who is also planning on conducting interviews myself, I can totally understand why Chucky, like Chucky has a right to do that if he feels like it, kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like sometimes people misunderstand the intention behind having someone on your platform and interviewing them because me inviting someone to give them an interview doesn't automatically mean that I like them or i feel sorry for them i understand them or anything like that like it doesn't automatically place me in alignment with them you know an interview is getting a story out of someone at the end of the day and putting on a platform for people to either watch or not watch so i can definitely see both sides of the coin on that one that being said i watched the interview in full myself because i don't like to make judgment on just an idea of what happened i really want to know how the interview was conducted and I just felt like Chucky should have, I feel like he's been doing what he's doing long enough to know that he would have got backlash for this, and bearing that in mind, he should have done it properly, in my opinion. I can understand why he feels like he did a good job based on how he would usually conduct an interview on the Half Podcast, because like I said, it's quite an informal platform, so that type of interview is not really something that he'd be known for, so he did alright in that aspect. but. I feel like knowing what this interview was going to come with he should have done a little bit more research on the complexities of sex work and research Murad a little bit because it was really obvious that he really didn't know anything that much about him he just knew knew what happened so I kind of feel like you really should have done that and he also should have held him to task if he was going to do the interview at all like if he wasn't going to hold him accountable because i hear what you're saying that he didn't want to bully him again he didn't want to do like a piers morgan i totally understand that because that kind of comes off more as an argument than an interview to be honest with you so i do understand that but at the same time you could have held him accountable because he allowed him to make excuses a lot and to basically contradict himself constantly he repeated himself a lot don't get me wrong there were a couple times where chucky did outright ask him direct questions and Murad would he, would, he would be very flaky about it and essentially repeat the same things that he'd been saying about how he was so desperate to get out of an abusive situation that he was living in and all he could focus on was the bag. He said that constantly, the bag. And that, you know, he could he just wasn't thinking about it. Like he had just dis, dis what, ugh, what's the word I'm trying to say? Disassociated himself from what he was doing in his mind to be able to carry on so that he could think about Things. and my thing is I feel like Chucky didn't press him enough because I know it sounds so silly but there were just little things that I was like that was seemed inconsistent for me for example he contradicted himself saying that he couldn't be open with it when he did eventually get a platform and tell people about his history because he was scared about being able to go back to his country because he would get killed there or that his family wouldn't fuck with him like those kind of things but then at another course in the interview he said that he did want to tell people he just didn't know how and I was like okay so which is it <laughs> like you kind of contradicted yourself there and i feel like chucky should have really walked with him and asked him more pressing questions in the journey of him being a sex worker and saving up because i i just and i really don't want to contradict someone's abusive surroundings because i believe him in that aspect like i would never contradict anyone Uh, abuses is so heinous and common unfortunately that I'm never really going to sit here and have a hard time when someone tells me that they've been through that situation, even though people do lie about it. More often than not, people are telling the truth. So I don't think he's being dishonest about that. But there is something that is ringing a bit weird for me in his process because it sounds like he was saving up for a deposit to buy a house or buy a flat, which really threw me because I was like, if you're living in an abusive situation and you are also having an abusive job as a sex worker, because he told stories about how he was abused by other people when he didn't do or say the things he wanted to say when he asked why he would do race play and things like that so you're being abused in your job to get out of an abusive situation as well it's just abuse on every side why would you not rent like do you know what i mean like that to me and i know that sounds so silly like that's such a silly thread to pull but like it, it just for me if it's a matter of life and death i'm saying at the very most i'll do it for a few months and have enough to rent a place and then I'll get a normal job, do you know? I just really didn't understand, like it it just didn't make sense to me. I feel like, and that's why I said he kept referencing the bag, the bag, the bag. I feel like it's just something he did for money, that he's not sorry about, that he doesn't really feel like it was a big deal. Like he didn't seem sorry or apologetic or like, because for me, and that's what I will say about Chucky, And regardless of the fact that I felt like He could have done a much better job with interviewing he didn't really press him enough and i kind of feel like he probably shouldn't have bothered if he wasn't going to do it that way but what i do like is that he did ask the only question that i wanted to know the answer to given your history i'm paraphrasing but this is essentially what he said to tomorrow like given your history and you know the things that you said and what you've done in regards to race play and the the derogatory language you've used why did you think it was appropriate to make the type of content you're creating and cater towards a black audience knowing that you have history being like let's just uh, for me yeah cool you're providing a service but you were being racist to, in that service so i can't really i can't separate that like i'm sorry like when you're calling us monkeys and dirty niggas and we're all dirty. Do you know what i mean i can't say that you weren't racist so yeah like. Why did you think it was appropriate? Basically, is what Chucky asked him. Like Chucky essentially applied, were you doing it out of guilt? And he basically said yes. Like he said that you know he felt bad about some of the things. And he, what was crazy about that answer as well is that he wasn't even just talking about the race play and stuff. He was alluding to other things he might have said and done in his past. Like maybe with colorism and racism towards other people. it's like why did I behave this way? Like why did I do these things? And like you know, I went through therapy, and you do get to a point where you're like, oh, I want to educate myself. Like okay, I want to do something about it. And I'm like, that is the biggest load of bullshit to me i'm so sorry like you not being a black person and knowing that you've you've been a part of behavior that was derogatory or harmful towards black people why would you assign yourself the role or the right to try and educate people further or try and like let's call it what it was we were another bag to you and that's why to me thinking back on the interview him saying the bag constantly i'm like you're obsessed with making money which is fine A lot of us are. What do you think I'm doing here right now? (laughs) We're trying to make money at the end of the day, but I feel like essentially black women are an easy audience to cater to it for a lot of people that don't don't genuinely fuck with our community. They know that whether it be, you know, saying things of shock values get us outraged and still give them clicks and retweets in that way, or to cape for us, to be a savior, I think that he saw that very easy being, you know, growing up in South London, he referenced that um, at the beginning of the interview and having multiple black friends. I felt like he just thought it was something he could do. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to make money this way because why couldn't you just do something else? Why couldn't you make content about something else? Like, for me, the fact that you probably still, every now and often when he needs the bag, he'll probably open up his OnlyFans account and go do some other shit. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, because he said there was no overlap with his... You know him being a youtuber and doing the sex work but i'm sorry i don't believe him like i just think he struck me as someone who anything for money and like i said his abusive situation might be a factor in that and i really really sympathize and empathize with him because i always will where it comes to that type of thing with anybody but at the end of the day it's not an excuse and i feel like knowing if he was even a little bit sorry for what he had done and said in the past he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have felt like it was appropriate to make money that way. I'm just, that's how I see it. But yeah, in regards to Chucky doing the interview, I don't like look down on him for it or think badly of him. I do think he probably just did it for the bag. (laughs) I'm just, I'm not gonna say that constantly the whole time, I promise. And I think that that's really all there is to it. I don't think he particularly cared about hearing Murad's story or thought it was that fascinating. Like, I just don't think that. I feel like it, Murad probably did the rounds and went to a lot of black content creators that have a black audience to try and plead his case. That's what I believe, because he also had an interview with Wimmy Bello, which I didn't realise until this happened and I was seeing everybody's tweets. But apparently Wimmy Bello did release a trailer and took it down. And I listened to this week's episode of Off The Cuff Podcast. You guys should check them out. I really like Off The Cuff. They're one of my favourite podcasts here and they were talking about this whole situation and it appeared to most people that Wumi took the trailer down and never released the interview because of the backlash but the guys on Off The Cuff were saying like apparently they'd spoken to a couple people they know in the industry and apparently Murad contacted Wumi and her people and said that he didn't want to have the interview go up anymore because he was in a bad place mentally at the time so it seems if that is true that that wasn't the reason that the interview never was released but ultimately Wumi also did an interview with him And I don't blame either her or Chucky because at the end of the day, they're doing their job, you know? And I feel, I I somehow missed that tweet out of the thread, but I did remember Chucky also tweeting something like, you know, people tend to say like, oh, it's for the culture and not really understand like what that means. Like they have a certain expectation of what black podcasters and black content creators are supposed to do. And there's, black people in this space that do all types of different content should they not do certain things because they you know some people find it like not for the culture type thing and i did actually agree with that amid a separate conversation but ultimately sometimes i feel like you know there is a little bit of pressure on our people that are in the media space to not do or do certain things or have to fall in line, And I feel like where it's the context of an interview, I don't feel like they have to follow those boundaries. I'm sorry, like, and again, I think that might be my bias because that's the content I want to make as well, but that's not really the purpose of an interview. So I don't feel like that should derail them or, or you know, discourage them from doing it. However, I think that maybe, I and I'm not going to judge women's interview because I haven't seen it, but for Chucky's, I think that he should have maybe weighed up whether it was worth it and if it was to him, he should have maybe gone around the quest- the line of questioning and the interview in a different way. That's all I'll say. Um, I don't really think that he t- has done something horribly wrong, but at the same time I can definitely understand why people feel like why (laughs) like why are you doing this especially since it's not the type of interview you'd usually have like i said so yeah that's just my thoughts on the situation and also one thing i did forget to say as well is that the fact that Murad did clearly make the rounds and just is going to loads of black spaces to try and plead his case you know that is offensive you know but like i think it's hard for me to feel that passionate towards what's going on because i never fought with him before anyway (laughs) do you know what i mean so it's like ultimately i think it would be a little bit different if he was someone that i felt like bamboozled by or like you know didn't realize that he was doing these things and i was a fan of him and now it's like oh but for me it's kind of like whoa i didn't think it would be all of that but i can't say i'm shocked because i there was always something that hit disingenuous about him and all i did was see that i was right so yeah but that's my thoughts on the situation anyway you guys let me know what you think i'm curious
1: i got hot sauce in my bag
0: so Drake had a lot of people in a tizzy when Her Loss came out last Friday. If you guys want to know what I think of the album, you should check out the new music segment of this episode, which will also be available on YouTube. So I don't even want to say allegedly, because to me, I'm like, I feel like I'm gaslighting myself if I say allegedly. Drake seemingly fires some shots at Megan Thee Stallion on one of the songs in the album Circo Loco. So these are the lyrics. Aubrey said, this bitch lie about getting shot but she's still a stallion for me that's clear enough i feel like you're just being willfully obtuse if you're really trying to convince us or yourself that he wasn't talking about megan or referencing megan or attempting to make the public think that he was talking about megan at the very least but then if that wasn't enough he also said on the same song surely say she graduated she ain't learned enough play your album track one, K. Okay, I I heard enough. So we got Stallion, we got Shots, we got her, her graduating. Everyone knows that Meg graduated recently, I think last year, and obviously she's an artist. So play your album track one, and you know, the boys don't like her music, we know that. I'm sorry, with all of that, are we really gonna say that he wasn't talking about Megan? Like even the first bar, like people are saying, oh, it's a double entendre, which is really pissing me off because it's like, am I crazy? Like I thought double entendre meant there's two meanings to the reference, right? So you saying, oh, it's a double entendre. What, aren't you just confirming that it means two things? So yes, it could mean a woman is lying about getting our shots, that is clear. But are we really gonna sit here and say that the other meaning wasn't meant to be that he was implying that Megan lied about getting shot? When that is a popular narrative around the toxic rappers, really? Are we gonna do that? Oh my God like i was getting so annoyed with people that are trying to insist that it was not about megan and i mean around the actual wording because there is a theory out there that it is about elka the stallion who is a influencer from germany i think who has a very big ass that is clearly not real and she apparently is known for lying about getting our shots but at the end of the day because when you look when i looked at pictures i'm like yeah she looks like drake's type so i'll even give you that it could be about her but at the end of the day drake knows we don't know that lady (laughs) so i feel like even if he was referencing her he knew like he's too much of a wordsmith at this point in his get in his career we really gonna say that he didn't think that the public would think that he was talking about megan even if he wasn't come on and i think he was talking about her that's me i think that it's much more likely that he was talking about megan than Alka. anyway we move um like i said the girls are not happy myself included and that includes also, of course, Megan Thee Stallion, who had a lot to say when the song came out last week. So I'm gonna read her tweets. Megan said, I know I'm very popular, but you're got to stop attaching weak ass conspiracy theories in bars to my name. Lol, niggas nor hoes ever address me or at me with the facts or receipts. I am clout, bitch, keep sucking my pussy, right? At first, I completely misunderstood this tweet. I thought she was talking about the actual bar. It wasn't until I read the article in Complex that I realized that megan was actually referencing the people that were saying that drake was talking about her not the actual bars at that point and that's why i was confused by the next tweet at the time that i read it where somebody said he said stallion though so technically he did say your name and then she retweeted that saying a stallion is slang for a tall thick woman and i was like yeah we know that but now uh, why is she defining it i was so confused so now i realize it's because she was saying drake is obviously talking about some other bitch that like a stallion is slang for da, da, and i was like oh no baby you're in denial because he was definitely talking about you but i I think that she was trying not to just jump the gun and be reactive and assume like surely this nigga's not talking about me like i think she was in that place at the time but then when she saw maybe heard the song for herself or saw the follow-up lyrics it's hard to deny it at that point because it's like it's too many coincidences for it's not being me at this point So then she said stop using my shooting for clout bitch ass niggas Since when the fuck is it called cool to joke about women getting shot? You niggas, especially rap niggas, are lame Ready to boycott about shoes and clothes but dog pile on a black woman when she says one of your homeboys abused her So at that point it's very obvious that she is talking to Aubrey And when the motherfucking facts come out Remember your hoe ass favorite rappers that stood behind a nigger that shot a female Whew So yeah, Megan is not happy, and I can't say I blame her, I know I wouldn't be. And coincidentally enough, Megan actually has writing credits on one of the songs, the intro actually, I think it's Rich Flex. And that's because 21 Savage um, kind of mimics her flow on there. So she has credits on that song. So I feel like that might have also partly have been why she was like, nah, this thing's not talking about me. And also, he, I believe, has a good relationship with Jay-Z and Megan is signed to Roc Nation. So there's probably a few things that made Megan think, like, surely you're mistaken. <laughs> and speaking of Jay-Z, apparently, not even apparently, because I can see it, because at first I was like, surely this is wrong. Because I forget that man has Twitter, but he does have a Twitter account. So he clearly is on there from time to time. And Jay-Z did like and unlike a tweet by Mark Lamont Hill, who works for BET News. And the tweet says, If Drake released a song with clever wordplay that mocked the shooting of a male rapper or any man for that matter, the same people defending him would be outraged. But of course he would never do that. Dot, dot, dot. And Jay-Z liked and unliked that tweet. And yeah, that to me is very interesting. And it basically just makes me arrive at the question that ultimately I was asking when I saw all of this, why did Drake do that? Like, I just really don't understand. Like, it's a real bitch move, number one. Number two, he doesn't need it to promote his album like i don't think this is a marketing technique he is he's drake he doesn't need that and yes artists all big artists, rely on certain things to make sure that their album does what it needs to do but i just don't feel like drake needs to do something like this i don't understand what the need was and i just was like is it because you and tori are cool because i did not know they were that that close i'm sure they're friends because they have had beef in the past But they have squashed it and at first i was thinking are they really like cool though but i remember tori being on the breakfast club right after that thing happened where drake went on stage with uh tyler the creator and everyone booed him and i remember tori being on the breakfast club not long after that and saying that he spoke to drake and they were laughing about it and whatever he was kind of comforting me like you know it's it's all right kind of thing so i was like okay well drake is if Tori's one of the people that drake's talking to about that i'm sure that they're they're pretty good friends um, or at least cool enough, you know, because you know, to talk to you about my else. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, if that is still the case, is that why you're doing this? Because really, like, really. But I, I can't imagine what other reason. And if for me, with the trial being a month away, because they push back the trial again, it's in December. It just made me think: is this intentional? Because that's real nasty. If it is, like, are you trying to continue to sow a seed of doubt in people's minds? Because. The trial is upcoming, I don't know. I, I really can't imagine Drake getting caught up with some fuck shit like that that really has nothing to do with him and cannot make him look good. Like, at the end of the day, he's, you know, Kate is more towards a female audience for the majority of his music. So I just don't understand a move like this. It just makes no sense to me. And I feel like, I wonder how 21 Savage even feels about that. Like, obviously at the time, I'm sure he was cool with it because he didn't, you know, it's, it's in the album at the end of the day. But I feel like, People aren't even really talking about 21's contribution like that on the album. But to be fair, Drake is on it more than he is. So there's that too. But yeah, I just I was just very confused as to the why. Like, what was the reason? (laughs) Anyway. um, So it didn't surprise me that Jay-Z was not happy about it by the looks of it. Because it's like, what? Whether or not his relationship with him or Rock Nation might possibly be at jeopardy, who knows? Does Drake even care? Because i mean i think he's beefed with jay in the past as well jay-z i think has subbed him in a couple songs too so you don't really need i guess a relationship with him to be okay so i just i guess i would love to know the why but i don't think drake will ever tell us and it also got me thinking recently like i guess i I shouldn't be this shocked i should have kind of seen this coming because i was thinking of bars he said in the past and you know that time when he called his big mother a fluke i was like i guess i shouldn't be surprised that he's being a bitch because that was like, I think it's easier to not get, like, I don't want to say outrage, but it's easier to not be like, what the fuck, when it's a woman that we don't really know or have that relationship with. Obviously, if you're a fan of Megan Stalin or even if you're not, you just feel some kind of empathy or sympathy towards her and what she's going through with um, ever since she got shot. It can be much easier to be like, wow, that's fucked up. But, like, when you think about him, like, disrespecting the mother of his child like that on a song, the biggest artist in the world, it's like, wow, so really, like... So yeah, another theory I have, and I didn't spend too much time focusing on it because I really don't like to blame the girls when the guys do shit like this. But it did make me wonder, could it possibly be because of his relationship with Nikki? Because Nikki has also been bullying Meg in her bars and on social media and things like that. And it's very clear she do not fuck with Megan. So it made me think. But honestly, I think it's more likely that he just felt like it. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, if I had to guess it was anything, I feel like it was a stupid decision that he made that he didn't really take seriously or think about that deeply to think it was gonna cause this much, I, I don't know. Like, I think he knew it would have backlash, but I don't think he even contemplated it long enough to even care about it or really think that it would be that deep, if that makes sense, because it just doesn't feel like anything that's a good idea. <laughs> it just, it just feels stupid and unnecessary on top of it being a bitch move, but hey, Another theory I had, is Drake possibly one of the rappers that Megan never gave pussy to, that she's referring to, on her song Not Nice, where she says a lot of rappers mad because I never gave them sex? Is Drake one of those rappers? Hmm. I mean, it would be hard for me to believe that if he met Megan in real life, he didn't try fuck, because Megan is a beautiful, thick woman. Drake likes beautiful, thick women. So, hmm. It's possible. I'm not, I don't think it's crazy. So yeah, actually maybe I think that one is more possible than the fact that he didn't think about it. Yeah, I feel like he's probably salty at Megan, mad at her for something. Might not be for that, but I feel like he's not happy about something or I don't know. I don't know. But either way, stupid what he did. But Megan wasn't the only one he got a little mad. He was also firing shots at Serena, William's husband. So on the song, Middle of the Ocean, Drake said, Sidebar Serena, your husband a groupie. He claimed we don't got a problem, but no boo, it's like you coming for sushi. We might pop up on him at will, like Suzuki. Lord have mercy. Drake is easily the most famous groupie, so that's so funny. But yeah, Alexis had something to say in response. Alexis is Serena's husband. He said, the reason I stay winning is because I'm relentless about being the absolute best at whatever I do, including being the best groupie for my wife and my daughter. I know that's right. So yeah, again, what was the reason, Aubrey? <sighs> Honestly, Aubrey, it seemed like he was just really upset at people, <laughs> like I just, why all of this drama? For no reason, like, like leave Serena and her man alone. Like This is so weird. And if all that wasn't enough, Drake also went at Kanye again. Oh my goodness. So again, on Circo Loco, I guess Circo Loco was just that track that everyone, everyone can catch this. <laughs> Um, but he said linking with the Ops bitch I did that for Jay Prince and he's referring to when he and Kanye linked up I think it was at some kind of basketball football game do not quote me um, but I think it was something like that and him and Kanye linked up and took a picture and everyone was like oh they squashed their beads, da da, da, da. And Drake was basically like, I only did that because somebody made me. <laughs> I still don't fuck with you. And to be honest, that's some petty I can understand. Because sometimes when I read really or fuck with people, I want them to know. So, and if I might have to make peace with you temporarily for whatever reason, because somebody I respect asked me to, I still don't fuck with you. Like I can that's kind of pettiness I can understand. Not still not necessary. Especially like, do we really need to wake Kanye from his slumber? Please, he's recharging for his next rant. Leave that man alone. <laughs> but anyway. Kanye did reply and I'm surprised he only gave one response like I said he's recharging he said enough already I done gave this man his flowers multiple times let's really see who real ops are in the music game imagine all the rappers on the same side and everyone cleaning up each other's contracts it's kingdom time love Drake what love Drake is he saying love to Drake hashtag love speech oh anyway I don't understand that man So yeah, that's all Kanye had to say on the matter and that is all I have to say on the matter, at least in regards to what Drake was saying on his album. But I also do wanna quickly talk about him misbehaving during the rollout as well. (laughs) Like he really, when I say he got everybody riled up, he really got everybody riled up because he is also being sued by Vogue and Anna Wintour. So basically, Drake used a mock-up cover of Vogue with him and 21 Savage on the cover to promote the album and he basically really did it like it was a real album cover like it was a real vogue cover like it's because i was seeing people saying that it's not illegal to use the mock-up it isn't but you have to make it clear like you can't act like it's a real vogue cover and he did that like he made a caption on his social media and he went to her and thanked her do you know what i mean so you are actually trying to run with the narrative like it's a real cover And he distributed them across, I think, New York um, for people to actually, like, you know, there's probably just white, black paper inside, I can only imagine. But people were, like, tweeting it and, like, it was a real cover. So I'm guessing that it caused some confusion. And there's also a bar in the album where he says, girl, one call and I'll get you in Vogue. So he's clearly trying to imply that he has some kind of relationship with Anna Wintour as well. So it's like... I could understand then people wanted to sue you. And apparently Drake is really surprised at this lawsuit because he genuinely thought it would be obvious that it wasn't a real cover and it was a joke. And I was like, why would it be obvious that by that, like if you just put up on Instagram, that one picture, cool. But like to have the caption where you're at in her and you're really trying to distribute it like it's a real magazine, like of course people are gonna get confused. Especially when it's Drake, like it's not unbelievable that Drake would be like it is isn't a way because you know, they don't put too many rappers on the cover of Vogue. But at the same time, Drake is, has been what, the biggest artist in the world for a decade now or something. You know, it, it's, it's not so unfeasible that it would be him or real cover. So yeah, there's some more mess for Albreu. The judge has granted Vogue a temporary restraining order as of Friday, which prohibits Drake and 21 from continuing to use the fake cover as promo and from using Anna Wintour's likeness. However, there is a hearing scheduled for 22nd of November, so I guess we'll just have to see. I'm sure they'll probably settle it. I don't I don't, I don't anticipate that they'll want to take it much further. I think they're just pissed off. <laughs> I think she... I think he just pissed that lady off. Um, so I'm sure uh, he'll be alright. He's strong. But i am not happy with drake i'm not happy i just feel like it's a very dangerous thing to do to really like i can't imagine being shot and it's really become this narrative for two years now to act like i am to blame for my own assault that's so insane to me and for someone as big as Drake perpetuate it, like to really try and solidify the fact that it's a lie that she told i think it's so fucked up because there could be things behind the scenes that other artists know that we don't know i'm not debating that but at the same time we know that megan got shot and i keep saying this every time i speak on this if someone can present an alternative narrative that makes more sense than tori shot her i'll be all ears but nothing else makes sense it's just people like to have a Sometimes they like to go with, like, like, I don't really want to say unpopular opinion because it's a popular opinion at this point. But they, I think some people just want to go against the grain a little bit, and that would be a bit of a contrarian and be like, oh, but what if it would look, like-? you know? They, they want to be like, I don't know, like people get caught up in conspiracies, and I think that people take it too far because let's be real, any everyone else in that car, like, it, they would have said if Megan shot herself. If it was Kelsey or the bodyguard, they are way more disposable than Tori. He would have just said so. It was Tori that shot her, like, nobody can convince me otherwise. And if there was anything else to it other than the fact that he shot her, he would have said so. People say, oh, well, you know, it's in trial, da 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 What about before when he wasn't named? He had ample time to clarify what the situation was. The only thing for me, that made me makes me feel like he didn't want to do that is if he shot her, and I think he shot her by accident. I think that's why everybody's mad is that yeah he shot you but he shot you by accident and you should never said anything and da, da da da. At the end of the day, he still shot her so it's like truly <laughs> like what's the where's the lie where's the lie oh I just I just think it's messed up and I hope that Megan is okay and I really hope because when she keeps referencing these facts that are gonna come out and I'm very intrigued to see what they are because if there is clear cut proof actually to be fair there has been proof haven't we seen that text from kelsey that says tory shot meg and they put that on gail king's platform and that's a huge platform you can't just put fake text on there so i think it's funny that we actually have seen that and nobody says anything obviously that's hush hush but and, and no one talks about it obviously it's way like i said more popular at this point to just dispute what Meghan's saying but i am intrigued to see what else might come out and this case, and if it's undebatable at that point, so many people owe her own apology. So many people, but Child in regards to Aubrey does it, and I hope this album does what it needs to do for Twenty One because, like I said, <laughs> a lot of talk about Drake, not much about Twenty One. <laughs> so anyway, shout out to that man. I like Twenty One Savage. I
1: got hot sauce in my work.
0: So this is the segment where you should talk about all the shows that I've been watching lately i have been calling it the entertainment segment but i am trying to figure out a new name for it because i really don't like entertainment segment it just is so broad and ambiguous and i mainly just talk about tv shows sometimes films but mainly tv shows um but i cannot think of a clever name at the moment so for now we'll just call it i'll name this segment later it's a little bit more joe budden inspired than i care for but i can't think of another name so it is what it is so i have been watching as per usual a lot of reality television i've been obsessed with real housewives as a franchise for a long time now well i say it as a franchise but i mainly watch the black ones the only one that i can't categorize as one of the black ones is real housewives of salt lake city and that's probably becoming my favorite one at the moment because I really love Real Housewives, but I feel like I've also done myself a little bit of a disservice by rewatching watching Real Housewives of Atlanta, because that was just the peak of Housewives, and I just don't know if we'll get that time back, especially since, you know, NeNe, I don't think she'll be on Bravo anytime. any time. I mean, never say never, but I watched her interview with Larry Reid that came out recently, and I'm pretty sure the fact that there's still litigation, I, I, I can't... I can't see on the horizons her coming back anytime soon. I hear Portia's cutting up on Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, so I am looking forward to watching that. But yeah, ultimately, I just don't know if we'll ever get anything like that again when it comes to Real Housewives of Atlanta. But hey, I realise I also have written them off really quickly from that shitty season we had last season. So I'm prepared. I saw, I saw a clip uh, of Candy speaking. She said that... They've only been filming this new season for a couple weeks and it's already really good. I mean, of course they're going to say that, but something about it makes me feel like, okay, well, you know what? I wrote you off really quickly. We'll see what next season will be giving. Ultimately, Real Housewives of Potomac is the reason why I even bring up Housewives. So they're back with season seven and I just, I really don't know how I feel about Real Housewives of Potomac because i really like it as a show but i just feel like ever since the monique candace situation there's just something really uncomfortable about the optics that i'm seeing i do think that colorism is rampant on that season and i feel like it is giving very much light skin girls versus darker skin girls and it just makes me uncomfortable and i know that it's easy to say because I'm sure some people say that it's really just a matter of who's part of Giselle's clip but the way they treat Candice and Wendy and at one point Monique, I-, I can't really like think of it as anything else because Giselle doesn't have a reason to do what she's doing to Candice. Candace hasn't done anything to her so the fact that she'd really go as far as to do what she's doing and smear her husband's name in this way for the sake of a storyline, it's really disgusting. It's Easy for me personally to take Candice side, even though I haven't even been her biggest fan. I really didn't like her stance on the whole Monique situation. I'm a very much an advocate of do not ask for what you don't want. And Candice was going around acting like she wanted it. Not just with Monique either. Like when her and Ashley were beefing, she would always be doing the most. Like she has a big mouth, do you know what I mean? She was asking for violence on Twitter and in real life. So it was just funny to me that as soon as someone does put hands on you and gives you what you want, now you want to cry and press charges and act like a victim. Like, I'm just like, nah, I'm sorry, you lost the fight, let's just call it what it is. I'm not saying that Monique should have put her hands on her, because of course I would have loved for Monique to control herself, because if that hadn't happened, she probably would still be on the show now. I know she didn't get fired, but, you know, obviously the things that transpired afterwards is what triggered to leaving the show. So you know i wish it hadn't happened that way but ultimately i wasn't a big fan of candace before that either so to see everything playing out now i can still very much see how fucked up it is and for me when you couple that up with the way they speak to wendy the way they treat wendy it's like yeah you lot have an issue like you lot are some jealous bitches let's be real and it does kind of get to the point where it's like it's not really that enjoyable to watch because you're gaslighting the viewers i it really infuriates me that they do that and i hope that they either get rid of giselle and robin after this season because ultimately they're done uh, on top of how hateful they are they're boring as fuck like you know what i mean like giselle as usual, has no storyline. She's just gonna fling her daughters in the way of the lens and you know have that be her 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 positive arc. And it's like your daughters are beautiful and they seem like very sweet girls, so you're lucky for that. But ultimately you're not really giving us anything, and Robin, I swear, if she talks to us about her and one's non-relationship, one more I swear I'm gonna lose it. So Ultimately, they have nothing going on anyway. So I hope they either get rid of them after this season or at the very least, they'll see how stupid they look right now and change it up next season. But I have no faith in that because this is their seventh season. But it's mad annoying because that last episode where they did the burn session thing, firstly, the way Giselle and Robin were shouting at Wendy, Wendy, you can tell, has worked really, really hard to apply self-control this season and make sure she doesn't let them get her out of character because i swear the way robin and i would have backhanded one of them like you can't be that close to me and shouting and screaming like that when i'm calm and not posing any kind of threat or aggression towards you and you are screaming at me No, i would have backhanded you like i'm serious like it gets like i really don't like it when people treat somebody like, like they speak to them any kind of way so unprovoked and undeserved and then on top of that Robin is now getting mad because Wendy is saying that she got out of her seat and got enough is that not what you did and then you're lying and saying Cherie's never had to get out of her seat to stop you from charging towards Wendy like a crazy person it's all filmed like you look so ridiculous and they're still gonna continue to gaslight us at the reunion because usually i'll be looking forward to the reunion but they're still gonna continue to gaslight us at the reunion and we also know that at some point mia is gonna have some kind of beef with wendy and throw a drink at her it's just like the way they're treating wendy is so not cool and i can't I, it, to me you can't tell me that it's because of wendy talking about giselle's husband last year like giselle didn't do something to wendy to make her do that like why are they trying to rewrite history it's giving contessa on married to medicine it's really like they forgot that we watched them last season too like we saw you so it's just like it's mad weird to me how they're really trying to paint a narrative that wendy came for them unprovoked and that's why they don't fuck with her and she's a horrible person this and that it's it's almost like bullying because i just don't feel like wendy cool i understand that some people really just don't like her. i don't know why i feel like she came off really condescending the first season but i think since you know she got her titties done and she had a little bit of a um a research i feel like she was a, a, a little bit of a different energy and i'm really enjoying her and i love her husband and her kids i just think they have the cutest family the only thing about her is i feel like she really needs to relax like she you're doing too much in terms of businesses and stuff and not taking care of her health properly like she really needs to do that but ultimately as a person i feel like i enjoy watching her and i enjoy the representation as a nigerian woman as well because i'm nigerian so i enjoy seeing that on the show but ultimately we don't have to like each other but the way robin and giselle are treating her it's like you are trying to either provoke her to acting violently towards you or just completely icing her out so that she gets kicked off the show that's what it looks like to me because wendy can only really talk to Candice because whenever she speaks to Ashley, Ashley's obviously up Giselle's ass, trying to convince Wendy that she's doing something wrong somehow in all these exchanges. It's, it is looking very clicky and it is looking like light-skinned girls versus darker-skinned girls. That is what it looks like to me, because the way they're treating Candice and Wendy is just so uncalled for. And I, I hope Candice wakes up and realizes that she can't trust Robin either, because that is Giselle's sidekick at the end of the day. But yeah, that's my thoughts on Royal House House of Potomac so far. I feel like it's time to get rid of the, the green Eye bandits. Mia... Mm. I mean, there's some things I kind of liked about Mia in the beginning. Now I'm a bit like, OK, what are you about to do? Kind of thing. Like I'm just looking at her like this and Ultimately, it Candice, I feel like, is is starting to make me like her again. I'm really happy for her in terms of what she's doing with Deep Space Deluxe. It's such a big deal that she's going to have Trina on the deluxe version of the album. That's huge. And I love Trina. So I'm really looking forward to hearing that. And I really liked Candace's album as well. Deep Space is really good. So I'm, I'm ultimately happy watching her story. And I completely sympathise with what they're trying to do to her, because it's really fucked up. And when you think about Chris as well, like Chris has not done anything to you, like you're really, really fucked up. And for Ashley to try and compare it to her husband or ex-husband, whoever he is to her at this point, it's like, no, babe, that's not the same thing. Cause your husband's actually a pervert. That's different. He really did that shit. So that's not the same. That's not the same. It actually does show that Candace, there's more to her personality than we've seen because um, we've seen a lot of the bratty side a lot of the negative and I do think that the fact that she was even willing to give Ashley a chance and tr- really try and be a friend despite the fact that Ashley can't be trusted clearly as we've seen now I feel like good for Candace like at least you tried and at that point you can only say that like I've I've given you as much as I can like I've done all I can so she can drag Ashley for filth every time she sees her as far as I'm concerned because Ashley that the way she said oh Oh, this, the pendulum always swings the other way. It's not so nice as I was like, oh, you really are a nasty bitch. Like, <laughs> no disrespect. I know I don't know these women they're real people and everything, but that's fucked up, what they're doing to Chris. And I'm glad that production are producing receipts at every turn because <laughs> you can see they ain't, to, they ain't trying to have no smoke with Candice, clearly. But ultimately I do enjoy the show. It's just not very nice to watch this reenactment of Mean Girls, the colorist version, you know? Like it's just, I'm not really feeling that so much but I'm not mad at the season so far. And yeah, as always, Real Housewives is, is giving me what I need as a franchise. But maybe next week I'll speak on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, because I'm really enjoying that. I
1: got hot sauce in my bed,
0: I've also been watching Love is Blind. The season is over now, so I no longer care. So we're not going to get into that. But I do just wonder what you guys think about this whole Zainab-Cole thing i really don't think that zaynab from my perspective when i watched the reunion at first when i saw that whole cutie scene and everything that you know zaynab was saying i don't think that she was trying to outright lie and paint Cole in a bad light like i don't think she was trying to fabricate things i think that they just had two very different perspectives. And I've been saying throughout the whole season, Zaynab has deep insecurities and issues that she needed to work through before she went on the show. She was basically the Danielle of that season. And I feel like in that situation, with the cuties thing at least, because that's the only thing we could really judge by because we didn't see anything else that she's alleging. I don't think that she was trying to lie on him. I think that she genuinely just had a different... I think she got triggered because you can tell that her appearance is a huge part of what makes her feel that way and i think she probably has been in relationships where men have made her feel like that that she can't You know she has to be very wary of what she eats especially around them and you know i feel like that's been an issue for her so i feel like she got triggered in that moment and that's what she thought cole was doing even though it wasn't i do i do think that he wasn't trying to imply that like when you add the context of you know we're about to have dinner do you really want to eat that i really don't think that that's that's not how it came off in the scene anyway and i don't think cole is a nut is a bad person i think he's very immature and he needs to work on tact that is not something that he possesses but ultimately, I don't think he's a bad guy. I think that he probably definitely says stuff that's stupid, that hurts her feelings, and I don't understand how you don't know that that's going to hurt someone's feelings. I, I definitely, he gives me that vibe. But I don't think that he's like somebody that would be emotionally abusive. Because I feel like that's what Zainab was trying to imply. And I don't think that that's not what it was giving. But who knows? Maybe there are some things I always like to, when I didn't see it, you never know in it. But when I saw Zaynab's non-apology it was like okay now this is weird and that makes me wonder whether the the story about him kissing the girl the day before the wedding is true because that was weird that was the only thing that rang weird to me because the guys seemed genuinely confused when they were trying to figure out what girl he would have (laughs) kissed because it really seemed like they were at a guy's only bar and they didn't go anywhere else because they all looked hella confused like i know men usually will back each other so usually i wouldn't think anything of that but they generally seemed like what like how where <laughs> like and cole as well so and the way he was crying, i felt bad because i think like he was generally like not intending to be that dickhead you know that Zena was painting him out to be but ultimately it was it, the reunion just went a little bit weird to me anyway because i felt like it was a lot of focus on cole when they didn't give Barty's any smoke hardly and i was like i thought we were gonna focus on cross-earing man no okay (laughs) like so that was disappointing the way he treated nancy the whole season you could tell he wasn't serious about her i didn't like the fact that him and his family were kind of making her feel bad for her opinions and her choices on abortion i feel like as a man especially it's not your place to make a woman feel badly about the choices she'd want to make with her own body i understand that they were discussing you know their potential child but i felt like it came off very judgmental of her and i didn't like that And yeah, and the way he was speaking to her family on the day of the wedding, I was like, now why are you being an asshole to them? I just felt like that was disrespectful. And I really wish that Nancy wouldn't have piped up so much and let her brother rush him. I was waiting for her brother to put hands on him. (laughs) Oh my god, I wish they brought her family to the reunion. Then we would have got a show, you know? I did enjoy Love Is Blind this season. I did think it was much better than last season in terms of casting choice. Not any better than season one in terms of the relationships, of course nobody can ever match Lauren and Cameron, it's just not gonna happen. But yeah, I enjoyed this season. I'm very much waiting for the ultimatum though, I enjoyed the ultimatum a lot, so at the end of the season, all I think was, so when is season two of the ultimatum? Because the fact that those are real relationships, I think is a good, I'm hopeful that it won't be like most reality shows where it gets ruined in season two, season three, like I feel like we might get a good few good seasons out of the ultimatum, purely because of the focus on it being real relationships that they throw into this experiment. So if they continue that, I think we've got a good show on our hands. So I'm gonna be keeping my eye on um, Netflix's updates as to that. I've also just finished watching The Crown, season five. So I'm not gonna lie, this season was a bit lackluster for me i'm not even entirely sure why to be honest with you but i can definitely say it's the season that i've enjoyed the least out of the five so far i think it might be because it's the closest to a time the time that i grew up in it literally was the time i grew up in it's just i was you know very young i was a baby at the time so I don't have any memory of these things. It's just, you know, things that I found out later on that my parents told me and that I looked up documentaries, that kind of thing. But obviously living in that time, you feel much closer to it. So it didn't feel like I was being educated on that much. And I feel like ultimately what makes me enjoy The Crown the most is that it's a very entertaining TV show, but you get informed and educated about so much of what went down with the Royal Family and the whole history of Queen Elizabeth's reign that you wouldn't really be aware of so i feel like that's a huge selling point and because i knew a lot of this already it ultimately wasn't i i, I would only assume because the acting wasn't like bad that's the thing it wasn't badly produced directed or acted so i can only assume that that's the reason why i was like mm. because the parts that i enjoyed the most are you know learning more about muhammad or anything So i didn't know anything about them really but muhammad fired and Dodi fired that was really interesting, I really loved the episode with um, Dodi and Mohamed Fayyad's back, back story and I actually wish we kind of got another one, like, a, like an additional one or more out of it. I can tell they're obviously going to explore that more with the next season because obviously Diana hasn't uh, passed away at the end of this season. So you can tell that we're going to learn more about, and, and she hasn't met Dodi. well she's met him, but she hasn't connected with him yet. So you can tell that they're about to foray into that in season six. But yeah, I think that that was one of my favorite parts of the season and learning about the context of the Panorama interview. Because I don't know where I was in the pan, because this happened recently that they exposed that, um, is it Martin Bashir who interviewed Diana for the Panorama show? I had no idea that he secured the interview under false and illegal pretenses i had no i don't know where i was for that because that report exposing him and the bbc came out in 2020 2021 during the pandemic as well i was like it was literally lockdown and i did not know this happened (laughs) that's how you know i don't be watching the news like that so learning about the backstory of that was the the, those were the two highlights for me of the season And those are pretty much the only things I didn't really know. So I would assume that's why I didn't like love this season. But I really enjoyed watching Amilda Staunton as Queen Elizabeth. I know some people weren't feeling it. I think a lot of people said that it wasn't given Lizzie. It wasn't given Queen Elizabeth. But I think that she did what she needed to do. I think that wardrobe could have just tried a bit harder with the hair and makeup because ultimately she didn't really look like Queen Elizabeth. She looked like just an old lady. So I feel like they could have done better because it was good casting choice in terms of she, they could have made it happen. You know, I feel like they could have just given a little bit more with, with the wardrobe um, so that it, it was looked more convincing. But ultimately, and this is not her fault. That's why I say the acting is good because she could have done it differently, I think. But it's so hard not to see professor umbridge i could not do it for the life of me throughout the season it just got worse like i couldn't not see it and it doesn't help that because she's an old woman and obviously she's playing the queen who is like like they're in the crux of when all her children's marriages are all over the fucking place and they're all begging her for a divorce and she just she's not trying to hear it so she's Playing this old woman who's stuck in her ways and is just relentless and just will not be deterred from this way of life that she knows, which is just the rules. That is very much a big part of Professor Arbridge's character. And I promise you, you guys, where we got to the part where Diana came to tell the Queen about the Panorama interview, it wasn't even intentional. In my mind, as soon as that happened, all I could think of was the part where Harry has to tell Professor Umbridge about the Quibbler interview. I promise you I'm such a Harry Potter nerd, as, as you can tell. I, literally, like, I was like, no, what is wrong with me? I can't not see Umbridge. And that part wasn't even in the film. <laughs> so, just like, I even watched Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix right after the season. <laughs> like, I just, cause I had to compare it in my mind. And I was like, she really tried. That's when I kind of determined like, nah, she really did what she had to do, because there is actually a distinction. Professor Umbridge is intentionally evil. And there was a different kind of air in that role, but there's just something about her commanding the role that is just, it's giving Umbridge and I couldn't not see it, but she did a good job. I thought, I think Elizabeth Debicki did a good job as Diana as well. And yeah. Yeah. I think that they did what they needed to do, honestly, as, as a, as a cast. I think yeah but i think that the actors all did what they needed to do it just wasn't hitting for me what i will say is i do not want to hear any noise from the real royal family from the media or any crazy royalists online because this season you could tell the writers intentionally tried to make diana and charles as layered as possible as characters and not make it to Diana's so perfect and charles is such an evil prick that we hate you know they you could tell they tried to layer the both of them and kind of bring to light the good and the bad in both of them and highlighted the complexity of the situation that they were in. The fact that they were both kind of forced into this marriage in a way. And I feel like that was Charles's best representation that we've seen so far on the crowd. They even have that episode where they made it about the Princess Trust and were like, oh yeah, yeah, he treated Diana terribly, but look, look what he did. But do you know what I mean? Like so There was even parts of the season where I was heavily and passionately agreeing with his takes. And I was like, what is going on Um, in terms of him wanting to be more modern with how The Crown went about things. So honestly, I ain't trying to hear it because if you're, if I'm going to really look at it objectively, I felt like Charles came across a little bit better than Diana did this season. Purely because you always are going to feel empathy to Diana. And I still have a Diana stand, regardless, like I'm never gonna fuck with Charles like that. But there were parts that were a little bit uncomfortable to watch, and obviously, again, this is a fictional version of what we know. But, you know, certain parts where Diana was like speaking to William about how she was feeling and her experiences, and you could tell that William was uncomfortable. Just make, she was kind of making his life harder by opening up to so much of this stuff. And it did kind of make me think like, come on babes, That's your son, like, you don't tell these things to your child. But when you comprehend it, you still kind of think, well, she was in a difficult position where she had no real friends and the friends that she did have, she's not really going to trust them like that because it's like, are you really more my friends or Charles's friends? Because she went into that family not really having anybody. So even when you bear that in mind, it's like, I'm never going to blame her too tough because she's navigating this incredibly difficult and horrible situation the best way she can that's not always gonna bode too well on how she looks and how she behaves sometimes but ultimately she was still very much more the victim in this situation than anybody charles cool he didn't have much choice in what happened either but at the same time i feel like people keep failing to remember that he had camilla he had a side chick He was not alone or lonely at any point. Diana felt so lonely for the entire period that she was married into that family. She felt alone and depressed and suicidal a lot of the time. She didn't have anyone to lean on that she could really trust and put her faith and her all in. She was supposed to have her husband for that. And her husband had that side bitch. So it's just like, you know, it's never going to be a fair like when people try and make the argument that oh diana wasn't perfect she did this at the end of the day she was a young girl when she married him and the family that was supposed to have her back and help her through these hard times she didn't have that so yeah for me i'm always going to be a diana stan for that reason because how can your empathy not go to her in that situation i'm sorry but ultimately i feel like they can only be happy with the way that things were written because to to write him in a more positive light, would just be lies. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, ultimately this season was I, right, but mm, kind of when it was over, I was kind of like, oh, that's it.
1: Mm. I got hot sauce in my bag. Okay, so
0: new music this week. I haven't done the show in a little while, so there were a couple singles that came out towards the end of last month that I really wanted to talk about. One of them being For The Night, Chloe and Lato. So at first I thought, you know, cute, a nice little bop, but you know, not that memorable. I was, you know, it's fun, I like the beat. So that's pretty much what I thought of it at first. But I've said before a couple times on the show that sometimes you need a visual to bring the song to life for you. And that's definitely what happened with this song because I really did like the music video. I liked Chloe's choreo, I thought she looked really good as usual. Lato did as well, but it wasn't my favorite verse from her. But it was nice to see that collab. I screamed at the part where Chloe <laughs> showed her Drewski, who was the love interest in this video, randomly. And so this nigga got me fucked up. And <laughs> I was like, who? This nigga? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like don't you lot know, too much so i really do like that song i'm really happy with the r and tunes that have come out this week this year actually there's been a few singles that i really really felt with i really like falling for you by ashanti as well i enjoyed this song i really like the video too seeing ashanti sing about the back and forth of a relationship with a fuck boy was pleasantly reminiscent of foolish but i didn't it, it sounded still distinctive as new Ashanti like it didn't just make you think of songs that you've heard from her before so i really enjoyed it and i'm very intrigued to see what music she's going to come out with soon because she had an interview with Angie Martinez not long ago and she was saying that she has a lot of new music in her hard drive she got songs with Young Blue she said she got a lot of material with Young Blue so it's disappointing that she wasn't on the album because so i like Young Blue's album we'll talk about that when we get to projects but yeah so it makes me wonder what they got coming so i'm even more intrigued now i've heard of Young Blue's album too and I also saw Angie Martinez was going, she was looking across her shoulder and she saw she got a song with Boy too. So I'm very intrigued to see what's going to come next from Ashanti. Rihanna came out with two singles. Let's not get too excited. It is for the Wakanda Forever soundtrack. So it was Lift Me Up and Born Again. I liked both of them. They were very moving, very powerful, but it, it more made me just wonder what... The movie is gonna be like if i'm honest with you but like obviously that it's for soundtrack it's not like it's rihanna's new music you know but i think it's it, more people just got excited because obviously rihanna's also headlining the super bowl next year so all this activity is making people wonder if she comes with an album i don't think whatever we'll that lady's saying trolling us you lot i'm just gonna stop hoping at this point and if she gives it to us she gives it to us she did say there is an album but it's not coming anytime soon i was like you know what whatever babe <laughs> whatever like you do you live your best billionaire life, and when you're ready, we'll be here. I'm just gonna not have my hopes up at this point. I hope she's good though. But yeah, I enjoyed the songs, especially The Me Up, it was very very powerful and moving, I loved it. The one, Steph London, that came out this Friday. So for me, I really like Steph London's music, her singles they hardly ever miss for me personally I like to try and compare artists to themselves if that makes sense. Like the standard that I hold them at. And for me, this one is kind of bad for Steph, I think. It was an alright song, but when you know what Steph's capable of, I just it was for me, it just wasn't it. Bag of You by Mahalia also came out this Friday. I really like Mahalia. I really enjoyed listening to this song, but I don't know if it's just because I love Mahalia's voice, like I just find her voice very soothing and enjoyable to listen to, but I feel like as a song, the song is meh, like you know, it's alright, but like I don't know how much it's like that means, you know? But like it's always nice to listen to Mahalia's voice, so I think I probably just enjoyed it for that reason. It might just be a grower though, you know, songs can be like that sometimes. But yeah, that's it for singles. Albums and EPs, Anyways Life's Great, Glorilla. So I really like Glorilla, I like her energy, her personality, I love that whole i'm just hanging with my girls and we're just having fun like this genre and way of rap that we're in that's not so male identified and guerrilla really brings that energy like tomorrow too, you can just tell that they're and, and tomorrow the original like they're just the way they're having a good time just just twerking and you know she's a little bit different as well huskier voice she's quite slim and you know not got the huge ass and like the big assets that you see a lot of i feel like as she's really really cool to look at and listen to and she kind of stands out a little bit but still kind of is running with this, this wave of rap that we're in i don't know if i'm explaining myself well or because you know i talk a lot for this showing it's the last segment so i'm a little tired but <laughs> yeah i really like her energy i just don't know if i like her songs as much as i like her so that is a little bit disappointing because for me only blessed and tomorrow too stands out which i already liked before the the project came out so there's that but i really enjoy her and i'm i'm hoping that there'll be a little bit more to come that i can fuck with for me there wasn't really any song on there that i like i love like that girls night out baby face i really enjoyed this project i love that baby face made time for the r b girls i love that he collabed with because it's like a huge handful of my favorite r b artists on that album so i love liquor with ari lennox seamless with Kalani already came out early in the year, and I remember I thought it was alright, I didn't love it. I like hearing it a lot more with the project. I, I like this song a lot more than I did before. Keeps on Falling by LMA. I liked it, but at the same time it's is LMA song. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like there's four or five LMA songs that sound similar, but I like the way her and Babyface sound together. Game Over, Queen Niger. I think is this still my favourite song on the project? It might be because I really liked it when it came out, and I it, it for me it hits even better with the album. Simple, Coco Jones. We'll get onto Coco Jones in a minute. Her and Babyface's voices blend the most beautifully to me on this album. Coco Jones can sing. I'm really enjoying her music right now. Say Less, Tiana is another one I really liked. Ah, the only one that I would say is disappointing for me was Tink's. I love Tink. Like I said, I compare artists to themselves and for Tink's song, this is not good. It's not good. And it was quite disappointing. So I was like, sis, you're on a track with Babyface. Like, what is this? (laughs) <laughs> like, I wasn't feeling it, which was a shame. I, I wasn't really feeling Baby Takes One either. Money Longs was alright, but it wasn't, you know, I, I didn't overly love it. And Amma um, Ray is not an artist I'm familiar with. I started listening to a couple of her songs after I heard this though, because so I really like One Good Thing. Her song, Baby Face On Here, is really good. And Girls Not Out with Doce, I thought, was nice as well. I thought it was a cute little track. Because it's very much, I know, and this sounds stupid, but it's literally... Girls' Night Out is exactly what you picture when you hear the song. So it's a little bit different of Dochi's vibe so far, but I like it because it makes sense for the album. And I think it was a refreshing change of pace because it's a little bit different from Dochi's usual energy. So I enjoyed hearing it. So yeah, I really like that project. I'm definitely going to be playing it a lot this month. What I Didn't Tell You by Coco Jones came out last week and it is an EP. I started listening to Coco Jones just this year when Calibre came out. I wasn't familiar with her as an artist before. She is a vocalist with a capital V. Her voice is so beautiful, so gorgeous. And Calibre was a good, it's a good song, but it sounds even better with the context of hearing the whole EP. And I'm just, I'm definitely a fan but ICU is my favorite song, like listening to her voice and her melody on ICU gives me chills. But ultimately as an EP, I I liked a good half of it. I like Crazy For Me a lot. Uh, I like Cabot even more, like I said, and um, I also like No Chaser. So, and ICU is my favorite. So yeah, really, really enjoyed that project. Her Loss by uh, Drake and 21 Savage came out last week as well. After all of that drama, I wasn't even feeling this album. But to be fair, this wasn't for us. This is definitely one for the boys, the the huge lovers of track music. I can't say that's really me. So yeah, I would, really wasn't feeling this album like that. And I'm not even just saying it because Drake was acting like a B-I-T-C-H. Get it? Because Megan has a song called B-I-T-C-H. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, I really wasn't liking it, but... I do think that him and 21 Savage collab real well together. Like they sounded good together. It would have been nice to hear a little bit more 21 Savage because it was definitely 75% of it was Drake, but they do sound really good together. Like they bounce off each other really well. I quite like Broke Boys and Spin About You. Those are the only two that I would say that I I liked, but I probably, I I don't remember what they sound like. Spin About You I do, but because of the sample, but yeah. I just you know when it's like i liked it but like i don't care about them like that to like it's not in my membrane so can i really say that i liked it that much is what is what it is for me tantra by young blue came out this friday as well i've really been enjoying young blue singles so i checked it out at first when i listened to it i was like oh is this going to be disappointing but around the time we got to love in the way with him and Nicki minaj the second half of the album i really really enjoyed most of the songs that i liked are the features. So I don't know how much Young Blue stood out just himself. because I feel like the only one I like with just him as Rich Killers, but I am gonna give it another listen. Uh, but I did, the ones that I liked, I liked a lot. Like I really like. Loving The Way sounds so much better on the project. I liked it before, but it sounds so much better with the whole, um, hearing it with the whole album. Freak Freak, Kelly Rowland, really liked that. Life Worth Living with French Montana, I really liked that too um your love is dangerous with lucky day lucky day's been killing the features this year i enjoyed that song and felt feel it inside with ty dollar sign i really like that song as well and walk through the fire with neo beautiful Be- it's so crazy because rap music is a lot of what gets me going in terms of makes me excited makes me inspired because it makes me want, motivated to work and kind of do things, R&B puts me in a usually more of a sad mood, so as much as I love it and it's genuinely my favourite genre of music, I feel like as I get older and more focused on what I want to do in life, rap music helps me more, so I find that the last year or two I've been listening to rap music more, this year though for R&B it's been so great and that's why I keep using the word beautiful in this segment because like so much of this like, so much of the bulk of what i'm talking about is r&b and that's shocking me because i like like i said rap music has been more of what my go-to has been for a long time so i'm really really liking the r&b music that's come out this year and when i listened to this song with neo i was just like oh my god his vocals are so gorgeous like fuck boys can really sing can't they (laughs) it was just ah i'm gonna go listen to it now i really like that for me has to be the best song on the album i think because the way he's singing and and the way Young Blue is blending with him as well, because I didn't even think Young Blue was like, obviously he sings, but like, you know, when there's a lot of autotune and stuff and he's kind of rap singing, I didn't really look at him like a vocalist, but the way he was singing with Neo, I was like, when is music with Ashanti coming out? <laughs> I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I want to hear you sing with more R&B singers because he sounded really good with Kelly Rowland as well. So yeah, Young Blue did his thing. I really enjoy Tantra. It's up there. and I might, I might even do a, a, b- a bonus episode next month of the projects because I like to kind of recap on the good music. Um, of the year at the end of the year because if you really are a lover of music you do kind of have to make it your job to stay on top of music because it can be quite overwhelming to do so and you know still live your life and do the things that you need to do sometimes because you know there's just so much music and it's coming up more frequently than it used to so you really have to kind of stay on job in a way but it's definitely worth it, because this year, as I'm recapping like the albums that have come out, people will say like, oh, music isn't what it used to be. Oh, I don't really like the, like this type of R&B sound anymore. Rappers isn't the same as what it used to be. I promise you, if you genuinely look and keep your ears and eyes to what's going on, you'll be surprised at the amount of good music that you'll collect. Because I think this year has been a good year for music. And I think I will do some kind of bonus episode on, on what I've enjoyed. But yeah, really, really like Tantra. Um, and I'm very much intrigued and looking forward to see what what Young Blue might come out with next, with ashanti like I said, and just him in general. Like I'm, I'm much more invested in his music than I was before the release of this album. So he's done what he needed to do for me.
1: I got hot sauce in my bed,
0: and that is the end of the show. Thank you guys for watching and or listening i am hoping to be able to produce much more content more regularly but for now it is my last year of uni um i think i'm i'm sure i mentioned on the show that i am still studying part-time as well as working full-time so it's just a lot but i hope that when i finished in the new year i'll have a lot more free time to record and make more content but i am for now trying to do at least one show a month so please stay tuned Subscribe to my channel and follow me on socials. At I am Hannah OJ on everything. You can also follow the show at rated Pod. I'll put everything in the description. And also, you guys, let me know what topics that you are interested in that you would like me to talk about if I'm not already talking about them. So please don't be a stranger. Comment below. You can still review the podcast on Apple Podcasts while it's up there. And yeah, DM me, at me, like, I'm really not shy. So please let me know what you'd like to hear more of. And for now, I'm out. Bye.